Hey, everybody, and welcome into Casual Relief Adore Disc Golf Podcast. My name is Ben, uh, joined with Michael and Matt. I uh, will say what up to these fellas here in a hot second, but we are back after I looked and our last uh, episode came out at the first week of August, uh, but cool. we, we are back. Uh, a lot of things have been going on in all of our world uh, worlds, I should say. Um, but we're going to get an episode in. We are here and we are ready to talk about some disc golf. Uh, so like I said, joined with Matt and Michael, how are you fellas? It's been a long time since we've got an episode up. I'll let you take it off first, Matt. Yeah, I've been so busy. Uh, got so much going on. Uh, probably the busiest in the group. Uh, things and stuff galore. But no, I'm doing. I'm doing well. I'm doing uh, very well. Uh, shoulder uh, feels the best that's felt in quite some time. So um, we're loving that. I'm up to like two or three days a week playing. So. Um, we love it. The rest, the little bit more rest this season has done wonders. If you couldn't tell, well, first off, that's great. Great to have you back in. Uh, if you couldn't tell, uh, that was pure sarcasm uh, <laughs> because Matt has been the one that's had the most stable life <laughs> over the last month. Uh, pretty, pretty routine for Matt. Uh, not, not really breaking much uh, off of that, but. Uh, but that's nothing, nothing exciting, nutshell. nothing new, nothing crazy. So yeah, my life in a nutshell. Nothing bad either. Let's <laughs> no, nothing with, bad let's, either. Let's so. highlight on that. Yeah, let's that big highlight there. My but, okay, but uh, yeah, in real life, um, holy moly, uh, I started my graduate program, um, so that's taking up. If I had a social life, my social life is now pretty much non-existent. Um, I. I have my one day a week for uh, video games, one day a week for football, uh, and then the rest I'm doing some assignment or um, just your just job and, or my job, yeah, my job, and then um, and then Saturdays are my big uh, assignment days, so I probably do close to nine hours of uh, assignments and schoolwork in that amount of time, so. Uh, Grad school is, is tough, um, but it's going to be two years of that toughness, and then I'll be home free after that. So, yeah. Well, I think I speak for all of the people that in your disc golf world, uh, and hopefully those listening, uh, can't speak for everyone, but we're very happy for you and your uh, graduate school journey. However, we're not envious because school work <laughs> not something I, I wish to go back and do. Have I thought about it? Yeah. And then I've been like, ah. I literally have <laughs> nightmares of waking up and thinking I have an assignment due and then waking up realizing I'm not in school anymore. So I'd hate to have to like wake up to that and actually be in school. So yeah, <laughs> it's, it's a significant uh, time and monetary commitment. It's not for the faint of heart, and we commend you for that. Thank you. Good on you. Since you've last heard from me uh, on this podcast, I started a new job, which I thoroughly enjoy and enjoy the people I work with, and it's a great deal of fun. Uh, However, uh, I work in the beer industry now, Mm -hmm. and hours are not so conventional. Um, They are in the sense that I have a schedule and I know what's going on. However... 
uh, there's a lot of events and a lot of things that just happen uh, at nighttime uh, sometimes. Um, so my month of October, if you could see my work calendar, uh, is insane. Uh, but yeah. it's a lot of fun. Like they, I could be digging ditches. I could, you know, be doing a lot worse things than pouring and talking about beer with people. So, uh, you know, Michael, at, like least, at least you're having fun. At least you're having fun. I am. I am having fun. Uh, very much having fun. Um, you know, Michael's got his, his stress of, you know, <laughs> a, a change in going to grad school. Uh, not to the, I don't have the degree of stress that he has. However, um, you know, changing jobs and changing a lot of things in your, in your life can definitely uh, be stressful in that regard of a new routine, especially when you have a, a partner, a home, a dog, all these different things. Yeah. Um, Amen. There's just a lot going on. <laughs> A lot here going yeah. on for yeah, praise. <laughs> you sure do. Preach, preach, preach brother. Everybody, everybody's gonna think but. that listens to this podcast that doesn't know me, which is like maybe two people. That um, I just sit at home and do nothing, and that's only for half the day. Okay, I do work full time. <laughs> <laughs> Matt Matt does work full time. Matt has a uh, a job that is glorious in the sense of that whenever he leaves that job, it just stays there because it's financially on like his industry is so financially secure that it is impossible for him to work for home. So like he as soon as he exits those doors, man, all he's thinking about is disc golf you know video games yeah. whatever pop culture thing mm-hmm. is going on very envious of that pop culture that's do... funny <laughs> <laughs> well you play video games board games oh, yeah. you watch tv mm-hmm. you yeah. do all of those things yeah that's true i love i do i do like my job for that where it's just i don't have to worry about anything as soon yeah. as i walk out the door so because mm-hmm. really i'm not allowed to <laughs> Truly yeah, it's a huge security to. risk. True. Matt yeah. works in the <laughs> banking industry. For those, yeah. for those who do not know, Matt works in banking. So, uh, well, uh, we'll get into it. Um, be sure to follow us uh, at Casual Relief on Instagram. Um, be sure to follow uh, Night Owls Disc Golf Podcast that comes out on Mondays. Uh, be sure to check out all their socials. Um, so, well, I shouldn't say their socials because I'm also on that show. Um, but it is, uh, that's more of like, we've always said that's more of your current events as far as like tournament recaps, hot breaking news, standings, all that good stuff that is, you know, got to be on top of from week to week. Casual relief is kind of, you can pick and choose, listen out of order, listen to kind of what you think interests you. Um, just kind of catch up with us on different disc golf topics. Um, so that are the two podcasts that fall under the door disc golf podcast network i think that's what we're calling it however uh as always be sure to visit doordisc.com for all your disc golf needs um one of the things we'll be talking about later on in the show i think we'll probably do that second uh is the time lapse i'm not sure if there's going to be any left by the time you listen to this you know i'm just going to go ahead and say it there are going to be none <laughs> left uh, by the time you listen to this but never fear uh, the stock run time lapses should be hitting the door disc golf shop, but there are plenty of other disc golf goodies for you to go over and check out. Um, some of my favorite things that you can go and check out and we'll get some of your favorite stuff that you've seen in the shop here in a hot second. Um, but the Halloween buzzes 
have been super cool to see some really cool stamps there and uh really cool are the pizza uh grip chalk bags um those have been super cool to see um anything from you guys um well for a little didn't we take over and do night owls one time in our absence we did, we we did do that yeah, we, yeah. we did that we did that okay we did that um but no i was just thinking of discs that i have purchased or anything that has gone in and out of my bag since then or discs that i've tested out um well you did pick up a new purchase that you texted us so you can listen on that um i i throw a very specific uh run of destroyers the phylobatross destroyers are they um, fast no, no. There's a there's a decent um, bit of dome, not pop top, okay. like by any means. Um, like, what, did, what, did you, what did you call it? Pretty pop toppy. Faf. 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 Yeah. Faf. Oh, never mind. Flat got it. As, no. Yeah, as I got it. I got it. No. <laughs> okay. Yeah. yeah. I'm not right, gonna, I'm not gonna curse, right. but it's flat as f. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but got they. Uh, my. My favorite uh, big distance uh, run of destroyers, uh, they're 168. Um, nice flippy and or no? More glide than flippy. And so you can okay. really, you know, like, you can really get up on them and, and push he them. He loves to lose them. I've never, I've lost them. Yeah, you, you did it twice, didn't you? Twice. Who twice. throws it a row? No, <laughs> oh, no, no, no. no. That's the, that, no, that was the Wraith. Oh, that's right. That's that right. I was rocking oh, okay. with. No, that, that's a different story. Um, <laughs> no, this uh, my my longest throw I've ever recorded uh, has been with a Philo Matras Destroyer, um, and so I absolutely love them. And I'm looking for them whenever I can on the auction pages because that's about the only place you can find them now. So they so. are flatter than some runs of yes. Destroyer, typically on the lower weight side of things always gummy ones the phylobatross ones specifically are 168 always are they i'm sorry did you say the plastic are they g-star no it's just the swirly star but i feel like they're gummier which is kind of nice they are they are gummy yeah which is really nice matt did you uh do you pick up anything lately um gosh have we been on this show since that mvp circuit event probably not no no, no, sir. So, um, got a player's pack uh, from uh, TriFox. Um, and the Tempo instantly in my bag. Um, mm-hmm. Not for that zone slot that I thought I would have it in, but um, I use it for more of a like mid rangey, um, a little overstable mid range uh, type shot. So, um, really enjoying it in that spot. Um, get over on it. It's pretty straight with a dead, uh, with a nice finish at the end. So really liking that. Um, outside of that, I don't think I've really bought anything that has really hit the bag. Um, going through another MVP phase. So, um, some of that stuff's going into my bag, but, um, periodically like there's, there's a disc that I just can't fill the slot for, um, you know, for like my getaways. Like I've been putting new getaways in the bag, which I really love that disc and MVP doesn't have that slot that really works for me. Um, but and then distance drivers um, have a couple of those in the bag. But um, yeah, just kind of messing around with some MVP stuff. I'm on the Simon hype train, so um, you know I'm <laughs> off and on that every once in a while. But 
no, we're loving it, loving the loving the tempo, and um, haven't really bought anything else other than that, not that I can think of. Nice. Sick. Um, yeah, I I also I played the circuit challenge, so I got the same uh, disc that Matt got in that package, um, and I agree with him completely as far as the tempo goes. I thought it was a really probably the really great disc, probably the best disc out of that pack. Um, but I've also been using it for, um, less approaches, more kind of shorter mid range shots, um, as well. So, um, really predictable finish on that. Um, and then I played in the Yoga fall classic in Stevens point, uh, last weekend. Um, and yeah. as part of the players pack, I got a yoga stamped, uh, champ, uh, road runner that I Ooh. will be just, uh, hanging up because yoga is a special place for me. Uh, I went to college in Stevens Point, um, so that'll be a hanger uh, for me to go on the wall because the stamp's really, really cool on it. So um, that's really all I've bought lately. Um, I've been giving away a lot of discs just um, to people that have said that they've started to play disc golf, and I think Sick. I just don't have a need for a lot of different things anymore. Like I'm pretty comfortable with my bag, or like at least the slots and these are things that I know that I just like picked up the try and like they weren't for me. So they were just kind of like field tested and a lot of things and like just different, like I think the example is, is that like my, um, my boss and his son started playing disc golf this year and they were kind of like, Oh, we don't really know where to start. Like we went to, you know, Dick's and bought some stuff and I was like, Hey, that's awesome. Let me build you um, a box <laughs> of stuff. So I gave him and his son a, a putter a, a mid a fairway and a distance driver and each of them a mini so i like i've been trying to do some of that stuff um and get some more people involved so that's what's been going on with me with my disc collection nice i just took a group so i maybe that's a, this is kind of off of our agenda that we had but i just took a co-worker two co-workers of mine one of which who had never played disc golf before um what are you setting them up with like what are you because I, what did I do? I did Soul, which was a great disc uh, for beginner, in my opinion. And then a Mako 3, which was also really good. Um, and then outside of that, like, I think he threw Passion, which was too overstable. Um, but, and then Is I it? think the I left. Know. I don't know. Like, what are you, what are you setting up with? What are you, like, what are you setting up somebody with? So I off? gave, so I gave, um, I gave in that pack, I gave them both very similar discs, but I gave the putt for the putter. I gave, uh, a, a jawbreaker challenger and, nice. an, and a nomad. Um, okay. so just a couple of different options there. Um, and then after that, I gave a, um, uh, an MD three and a one star mid in a one star midi. So both very you know, straight point and shoots. And then I gave a, um, uh, what did I give? A Guadalupe, a one star Guadalupe, and a backup Hawkeye I had. Nice. And then two Wraiths for the distance driver, with the caveat that they need to, like, you know, work up to the distance driver. Yeah, of yeah. Course, right. For sure. Mm-hmm. But, like, Want to at least give them something, so yeah, yeah. 
love that. I haven't taken anyone new out to play. I apologize. Not doing my civic duty. No, but you can still answer the question. Like, what would you? What would you give? <laughs> like, what would you start somebody off with? I think I think the Mako is a really good call. Um, I think for putters, I think there's that kind of like it's going to be like a a basic AVR or something like that that you know mm-hmm. like you can get for nice and cheap, and then you know if they if they want it, great, they can stay with it. If not, you know the putter is so so depending on like your specific feel of what you want um so you're talking yeah, like you're talking like soft magnet like that's really no i'm not talking soft magnet <laughs> this I, I man will, i will never go soft magnet i would never put someone onto the soft magnet um but yeah so I'm people have spoken a basic basic putter because they will most likely change it at some point right um and yeah. then I am a big proponent of the Leopard or Leopard 3, depending on if they have any, like, other Frisbee background, um, because that is um, one of the easiest fairway drivers to throw. Leopard mm-hmm. or Leopard 3, um, so good. And since it's Innova, they are, you know, so so open and available like just about every big box store you can get a you know some sort of innova set so i have a question if you're starting somebody off in disc golf and you're picking out a putter are you picking helping them pick out a putting putter that they also can throw or a throwing putter that they can also putt with because i feel like there is a difference because yeah there's a difference and i'm only going yeah, because we all have like, I'm the only example. Going with putting. You're going with a putt. So you're picking a I'm putting only, putter that they can. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, I'm going putting putter that they can. I'm going putting putter that they can putt too. Because I think that if you're going to choose three discs, I think that that Mako is probably a good like approachish type disc. Um, mm-hmm. And 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 just to start off too, like you can use your putter as a throwing. Like I think Shane said it multiple times, where like he throws his putters and putts with them like you know there's there's quite a few people who do the same so um i don't personally i think he's a madman for it but um <laughs> you know like i just i um i think you're starting off and just to have three discs like you can throw your putting putter that's fine yeah yeah i think that's fair as you grow in you'll kind of find what uh-huh. you like and what you don't you'll figure like. out what you like, want yep yeah, because like for me, like I bag an envy, but I will never putt with an envy. Like it's Absolutely like not. right, so like it's just one of those things. Yeah, that eventually you'll figure either. out through time. <laughs> Matt has never putted. I have with never an putted with an envy <laughs> and seven hundred other discs. Um, Matt changes putters like he changes under. I know you can't say that. Uh, I haven't yes, changed my putter yes. all year. Well, before that, he changed putters like he changed underwear. Yeah, that's true. That is true. Before this year, I've been consistent this year because uh, I switched back to the putter I, crazily enough, putted the best with So for so many years. So. <laughs> what are you putting with right now? I putt with uh, firm anodes. Oh, so not soft magnets. Not soft magnets. No, 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 no. No. No, great disc, great disc. A little, great little hypocrite, little hypocritical there. Huh? Yeah, great disc, just not the one for me. Oh, Matt. 
Michael, what are you putting with these days? Uh, I put with uh, judges specifically if I can find them. Classic uh, moonshine. I really like the stiffness and tackiness of the moonshine uh, edition. Uh, and if I cannot find the moonshine variant, I'm looking at just classic. Judges. So you're a bead boy. I do like a bead. And Matt, you're a no bead boy. No bead boy. I am also what, you, no. You're you're the butter, right? Yeah, you butt. You yeah, butter I am a no bead butter. boy. I put butter with, in the biscuit. I put with softy butters from Clash Disc. Although I oh. am interested, and I said this on a Night Owls podcast, that I am interested into seeing what the candy is and what that looks like coming out for a Clash. Because that yeah. is a putter that is available in softy plastic. Um, if it's more shallow than a butter, I might be picking that up. We'll see, because before okay. I started putted with softy butters, I was going through a cycle, and before I was going through the cycle, I putted with fierces, because I am a small human with small hands, and the fierce is a very shallow putter, yeah, and you can, is. it's a good throwing putter as well, um, but the candy was designed for some special thing in Finland. Um, the reason escapes me, but it is what it is. Um, but now they're available in the U.S., so we'll see. We'll see what happens. I think they come out on the 29th of September. Um, so, yeah. Um, so that's what I'm putting with. But sweetness. All right. Sweetness. Well, we will get into the meat and potatoes of the episode, if you will. Um, a couple of things on our agenda tonight to discuss. Um, outside of just any other tangents that we go off of, because that's usually how this Let's show. Be and, that's what we do. Yeah. Um, tonight we're going to be talking about uh, this season, the lay, the latter half of the season, how the pins moved on some of the holes at some of the DGPT events, and we'll give our thoughts on that and how we feel. And then we will also be talking about the release of the Simon Lazat time lapse um, and how we feel about that uh, and. I don't want to call it the the debacle, but really it's kind of drama, drama. Uh, amongst drama. some. And then um, just what that kind of means for the disc golf industry as a whole. So we will get right into it, um, talking about uh, pin moving. Um, mm-hmm. So on a couple of uh, courses or a couple of events this year, we have seen that on specific holes um, for – different divisions or all divisions we have seen the pins move um and this is something that i had been calling for for a while um and it finally kind of happened um it wasn't all the holes it wasn't a bulk of the holes because you because you're so vocal about it Mm -hmm. yeah because they were they were 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 (laughs) this specific podcast and or disc and and or disc golf podcast they Mm -hmm. heard you and they they were listening really should just name an award after me saying thank you and i you know will present it each year um but it did it did make the event fun because as in certain rounds the pins moved um so i'm gonna open it up to you guys to uh give your thoughts on how you feel about uh like yeah the pins moving and you know there's kind of the difficulty or the kind of change that uh, provided the the tour um I'll, i'll jump right in because uh, on the uh, the vlog series with Ezra and Brody, they were talking about how like this should also be paired with moving days, and I and I really agree with that. And like making the course super scorable for a moving day, 
Um, and specifically, just like, yeah, moving those pin positions to the shorter pin variety uh, or variation so that the course scores, you know, maybe half a stroke easier. Or, or not maybe the course, but that specific hole, you know, scores, you know, half stroke, whatever, you know, score separation that may be. Um, but I really think that that is a great way to provide some variety uh, because let's be honest, when we're watching all three rounds, even for me, I'm more apt to watch the live coverage. And then since I watched it live, I'm like, I don't really need to watch the post-produced. But being able to then have a course mix-up and seeing the different pin positions um, and how the different you know, players play them uh, would be really nice to see. Very happy with that kind of switch. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm in the same boat. I don't think it's a bad thing at all. Um, I'd like to see it on more than because what I think they only do it with like maybe four or five it was holes. Like two. No, it was, see, was it was only two. I know in other in other um, other times they've done it. They've done it with like four or five. There were like but, three or four at MVP Open, and I think there was like three at Eagle. Okay. I think okay. so. Okay. So, I mean, I think I think in order to be a valid and like legitimate moving day, um, you have to have more than three. Um, yeah. You know, and and I think that just comes with time and seeing reaction, and um, you know, if the people love it, okay, we'll do more. Um, but you also have to put them in a strategic position too. Like you don't want to just throw mm-hmm. um, a, ba- a secondary pin in just to throw a secondary pin in. Like yeah. it's the same gripe I have with you know, long and short tee pads on some courses. Like some courses just don't need a long tee pad. Like you don't have to add it just to say you have a long and a short. Mm-hmm. Like the, if the hole's fine the way it is, you know, don't don't mess it up. You don't have to have a long tee pad. And you don't have to have a short basket or whatever. But um, no, I think I think it's a good change. I think it spices up your coverage. I think it spices up everything um, that is golf. And um, you have to think from day to day, you know, it's not the same routine shot for pros over and over and over again, you have to think about your shot. Okay. I have to do this a little bit different than Mm -hmm. I did yesterday. Or, um, there's just a lot more golfing involved in golf, um, rather than just throw disc on this angle on this hole four days in a row. Yeah, for sure. I agree. I think that we finally have a moving day because that's what moving day, uh, is, is when (laughs) it's, it's when like the name moving day comes from, in ball golf when the the pin locations actually do move and they start to move on Saturday (laughs) and then they move into championship location on Sunday Uh, forever up until really this year, there is people have been calling it moving day and it's not actually moving day because nothing moves. Well, Uh, no, they're referring to it as moving day because of the scores moving and people repositioning, but that that's just not Ooh, it. That happens in every <laughs> round. Yeah. Um, so it's exciting to see that there is a moving day. I think, though, that I think that the pins in moving day need to be in the tougher position because I think that oh, on moving okay. day is when the cream should rise to the top. You should not yeah. reward somebody for on moving day like yeah they they're scoring well for right? an like in the position, in, in yeah. the position okay. because like you know like 
I'm trying to like figure out like how I want to describe this because it's like if you're like in tenth place and you're only, you know, if there, if you're in tenth place and there's like a, a jumble, right? Of like it's like in between like three or four spots or three or four strokes that are separating like tenth and first. Like, and they're in the short positions, like, everybody's scoring, and it's fun to watch, but, like, at the same time, like, you want, like, it to be in the tough positions to really start to identify who's kind of gonna, gonna either run away with it or who's playing the best that really should be. Who's putting it, who's putting it together this weekend, yeah. Right, like, does that make sense, or am I just kind of rambling? Yeah, you want, you want score separation. On moving day, you don't want, you know, everybody's, and that's, I guess, where, where our sport, like where our sport is like right now, I feel like compared to ball golf, like our sport is get lots of birdies, shoot under par, where, you know, ball golf is par is a great freaking score. Like, you know, that's where you want to be. I guess that's where we have to define what our, what our moving day will be. Is it going to be? Hey, it's going to be lower scores than the days prior and the next day, or is it going to be, Hey, this is our most challenging. This is where you need to be the best and separate yourself from everybody else. Yeah, I agree. I think it's a big ask, but I think that I would like to see moving forward that all elite series are four rounds. And I know I've said that before, but I think that if there's, if you're if you're not going to move pins or you're not going to have alternate pin locations, I think that at a minimum, an elite series should be four rounds just because I feel like then it gives an extra day to really hash out who's playing well and, you know, push the stamina, push the endurance. Um, It's a big ask in general also to have alternate pins just because not every course can handle that. However, we have seen a lot of locations on this year's tour that are just using temp baskets anyway. So Mm -hmm. it's not really that big of a deal, um, in my opinion, if that is the case. Um, But I'll I'll flip that back on to you guys. And how do you feel about that? And yeah, like Matt said, it needs to be a meaningful switch. Like, you know, it's not just push it you know 50 feet back or bring it 50 feet forward and there needs to be a well thought through process of just like where are we putting this to actually challenge a upshot or you know for someone who's maybe getting greedy challenging the the you know like the eagle play challenging some ob too yeah yeah absolutely um so i think that yeah it it needs to be done thoughtfully if it's going to be done. And and that's, I think that's my hang up point of it. It's just like, don't, don't change it just to change it. Really think through it. I think at a minimum, it needs to change the shot shape into the green. So yeah. if you yeah. should be, so if you're throwing a hyzer on rounds one and three, you should be throwing a forehand on, if you're a righty, you're throwing that hyzer on one and three, or you're trying to throw a forehand on two rounds two and four. That's yeah. my take. I think if you really should be changing the shot or you're bringing in a different obstacle or, you know, trees or pushing OB. What do you think, Matt? Uh, yeah, I mean, it's got to be, I mean, it's got to be different. Again, like that's the reason I like the, the different, the pin placements is because it makes you think, you know, if it's just the same hyzer shot and I have to take, all right, I, I throw the same shot, but I take a little bit off of it. 
you're not really changing much about it. You're just throwing it softer. So I think having to like change your shot shape and change what you need to do, you know, when you read a green in, um, you know, in ball golf, like that green is different on one side of that green than it is on the other. So, um, you have to think about your putt, you know, into the, into the hole at that point. So, um, you know, there's not a lot of, there's not a lot of change and craziness in our putting and like our putting greens. Um, you know, unless you throw something on the hill, which meh, but, um, <laughs> you know, like I, I, you think you have to change the shot somehow. You have to get people thinking if they're not going to think on their putt, then they're going to have to think on their approaches to the basket. Mm-hmm. No, I I completely agree with you on that. Do you have any uh, anything, Michael, to to add to, I, to that? No, no, that's my piece. That's my yeah. piece. Yeah, I think one of the things that I would like to add is is that I think uh, getting more pins that move. Um, I've said it before on on this podcast and on, on the night owls. I think that this also validates the need to have a caddy or to have a competent caddy and not just your homie. Like, keeping keeping track of you know where it's changing to. Yep. Yeah, and I think like I think that this also fights the complacency, right? Like you, players showing up on on Monday and Tuesday, playing their like one or two practice rounds and calling it good because like you're just dialing in the course. You're not actually dialing in anything outside of that. You're kind of yeah. if you just like oh, I can get here with this and then you know. You're just kind of memorizing what disc you threw. Like I feel feel like this is the step in the right direction to um, one making it more entertaining for all of us uh, because you know we get to really see more of the drama that is moving day or you know some of the disc decision making. Um, so like it's obviously more entertaining, but I feel like on the pro level we need to make it more challenging because. Yeah. A 36 under over like four rounds is crazy. We're like over four rounds in ball golf, like eight under might win it for you. Mm -hmm. Like insane. And I know that we're comparing apples and oranges, but like, are we? Hey, as, uh, oh man, I was about to give a a comparison to a song by a a name with a phallic. Um, (laughs) But they're a fruit. They can still be compared. A fruit can be compared to another fruit. Okay. Just because they're different doesn't mean they can't be compared. Life lessons fair. by Michael. Fair, fair enough. Dropping, dropping the hot takes there. Got to think big brain. What a philosophizer. <laughs> philosophizer. So we're all kind of in an agreement on that. Does anybody else have anything to add when it comes to? No, sir. Well, moving on, there is some drama amongst people uh, with the release of, as of today when we are recording, is September 20th, and that day is time-lapse release day. Time-lapse is the... Uh, first 12-speed uh, distance driver, part of the Simon line, released uh, for, as part of the MVP family. Obviously, he plays for MVP. Uh, this is under the Axiom line. Um, so if you're unfamiliar, the fa- MVP family of this is MVP. Uh, so look for a black over-mold rim, uh, Axiom, any of the colored over-mold 
um, or any of the swirlies now that they're doing swirls um, and different kind of bright colors. Um, and then Streamline, the third uh, of the MVP family, uh, being this, the No Overmold, and then the redheaded step brother is uh, Thought Space Athletics. Uh, just kidding. Thought Space Athletics is a great brand. We enjoy them. I enjoy them. They just happen to be molded by MVP, not under the MVP family per se. Um, so those are the four real molding types of MVP. So the Thought Space... Uh, sorry, not the thought space. The time lapse is an Axiom 12 speed per the Simon line. So that's all you need to know about the disc itself. I'm going to turn it over to you guys. If you guys want to fill us in on what is going on in the drama with this release today. Well, yeah. Matt is Matt is our MVP boy, and he's the one in all the pages. So he, he's, he the, he's the, the most, most qualified to speak. Uh, yeah, uh-huh. yeah. So I am a part of way too many MVP buy sell trades, fan pages, all that kind of stuff. Uh, and there is one consensus: is everybody wants a time lapse. Unfortunately, not everybody is going to get a prototype time lapse. So um, why is that? Well, because they released 10 uh, stock discs. They released 10 of the prototypes to each dealer, uh, and that was the way that you were going to get them. So, um, it doesn't matter you know, how in, big of a dealer you are either. Mm-hmm. You, could be, you could be selling 3,000 MVP discs a year, or, or you could sell 10, and you're, mm-hmm. you're, you, yeah. everybody's getting 10. I want to mm-hmm. just point that so, out. Yeah, and it was, it was interesting. Um, I think the way they did it, I don't think – you know, so normally what they would do is they would give them out to teammates or like t- people on the team, um, people close to the MVP family for any kind of prototypes, um, and then release them on the MVP um, shop, pro shop. Um, MVP pro shop is notorious for um, crashing being every bad. time a drop is put on there and being just <laughs> straight up awful. So, um, you know, I think however way they did this, it was going to be a lose-lose, um, you know, for MVP. Um, you know, no, at this point, they're making the money. They're making the they're, money. Well, that's, that's what I'm saying is like at this, at this so point, I mean, hype. for, it was, it was, I guess it's a lose, lose for, for everybody, but MVP, cause they're going to make them money regardless of what, regardless of how they do it. Um, you know, they could have, they could have e- just as easily, um, put it on the pro shop for MSRP and just taken all the funds for themselves. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they still would have sold all the discs. So, uh, I mean, at this point, more than MSRP for like 60 and people would have still paid for it. Right. And that's the thing is like, I am happy that they at least gave dealers a chance, like 10 a day, like 10 a shop. It's rough, bro. That's rough. But, um, you know, I think, I guess the, what the lose lose that I was talking about is like that perception, like that yeah. perception yeah. for MVP is on how they released this was going to be, it was a lose lose for them. They're financially there. They are paying off Simon's, paying off Simon's debts, and they are buying him his next house, probably. I don't know. But, um, but I mean, they put it on the pro shop, and the pro shop crashes, and people get mad. They send it out to dealers. Not everybody gets one. Not everybody has a chance to get one. People are mad. Um, you know, the, the, the issue I'm seeing, too, is that they're getting flipped on, the, on, you know, on eBay right now. I think in our group chat, I saw one for $159. I saw, um, I saw yeah, I saw one on a dealer's website for, no, I saw one on a dealer's website for $159. So retailers are just throwing them up there for $159 and selling them. Like, 
So, you know, there's, it's just the market is crazy right now. The, the flip market is crazy. You know, people are buying, um, you know, somehow getting their hands on all 10 and flipping them right away and making, you know, 150% profit. Stacks. Yeah. So um, if you're in that boat where you really want to sign with time lapse, just wait. According to Simon, the stock run's coming out soon. They'll be probably priced around like the James Conrad line, Paul McBeth line of stuff. Like, 25 just bucks, wait. Probably. Be patient. You're not going to be able to throw the prototypes anyway because they're super overstable. Get one that's going to be less stable they, in they the stock were, run. They were so overstable, they were surprising Simon when yeah. he was throwing them mm-hmm. in that battle that he did with, uh, what's, what's his name? Bonanza. Bonanza, yeah. yeah. He mm-hmm. he was personally surprised with how stable they came out. Mm-hmm. So if they are more stable than what Simon is thinking, they are going to be yeah. stable and too yeah. overstable They're... for the majority of mm-hmm. us. Yeah, I, I I think I put it in our comment, or I think I put it in our chat. This I can't wait to pay, you know can't wait to pay forty dollars for one to not be able to throw it two hundred fifty feet. Like that's just that's just the nature of the game, you know. Like it's gonna be really cool to have one, but um, at the end of the day, just wait for the stock runs. Pay twenty five bucks for it, twenty six bucks, whatever, and just chill. And quick aside, like. Congratulations to Simon on this, like, big time. Um, mm-hmm. And also congratulations to him on making a absolutely sweet logo that is going to be his logo now and not the company-owned. Do we know yeah. that? Do we know that? I'm, I'm assuming yeah, it's he, his own. He, he, yeah, he talked about it. it. It's his own. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He said it on his blog. Oh. It is his own, own design. Awesome. Great for him. I just knew it was designed in-house by MVP. Like, the MVP design team did it. I just didn't know who technically owned the IP for it. Um, so, good for Simon to be in control of his own brand. Um, one of the things... I've seen very many different retailers online figuring out a game plan as to how to handle this release. Uh, because, obviously, we all want one. It's all, everybody wants one. Um, I've seen some people doing raffles. I've seen some people mm-hmm. uh, doing in-store only. I've seen some people just saying, well, there's only 10 only, so I'm going to give them to my, sell them to my homies, to my friends. Um, obviously, there's no right or really wrong way to do it other than, well, there's a wrong way. And that wrong way is, is that you are a dealer and you list all 10 of them on eBay for the wild west which which i think violates their like yeah, violates their contract with mvp i think the mvp has a very specifically that uh right but you can get a, you could get a, you could get around that by selling that disc for the minimum retail price to yourself mm-hmm. and then you're you yourself selling them on ebay mm-hmm. under your own personal so like there are ways technically around that I'm just playing devil's advocate, and that that is a thing that does happen. Mm-hmm. Um, but what I just think you... overall, it just put it just it overall just put dealers in a really tough spot. Yeah, like you know, you have you have so many people that want um, you know want this disc, and you say, hey, I have ten of them. Like I applaud the folks that are that have the ability to be able to do charity raffles and do those kind of things for mm-hmm. these discs. Um, but there's just some people that don't have the ability to do that. 
like some smaller shops that maybe don't have the connections or don't have like those kind of things. And they just want to get the disc in the hands the of their customers. They, yeah. just can't, they also can't take the L because like I, I applaud anybody that gives it, does a charity raffle or they put the money mm-hmm. towards, you know, course upgrades or something like that. Right. Like I mm-hmm. applaud that. That's a mm-hmm. very noble thing, but there are some shops that are like going to be in this, you know, 250 bucks probably after shipping like, and they just can't go out 250 bucks. Like, you know, it, it's one of those things, right? Like, yeah. Well, it's crazy because you're, I mean, what, you're flipping them and they're probably only, you're probably making, you're probably only making 250 to $300 in profit from that because yeah. you're only getting 10 discs. Yeah. Like, yeah. so it's just, it's just crazy that the madness and really, again, dealers just got put in a tough spot. Um, yeah. And MVP didn't want to have to put money into their pro shop. So, we also, we, I mean, everybody, everybody kind of suffered for it. I don't know if there was a really good, you know, winning strategy for this because of the hype, because of Simon. Um, so they did what they thought there was right. And who's to say that they're right or wrong, but um, they did what they thought was right. And so we can, we're just at that mercy, I guess. Mm-hmm. If you gentlemen owned your own shop and these 10 time lapses, came in how would you dictate how they went out how they left your show mine would be in person only um yeah mine would be in shop only uh first come first served honestly um you know again it, it rewards your it rewards your folks that come into your shop every day and you know you're in and honestly if you're going into the shop to get one disc you might buy another one. Like, mm-hmm. you know, you're going to buy, you're, you're probably going to buy something else. So, you know, just at that standpoint, I would have people in, in store only. Um, I'm not dealing with, you know, putting 10 discs on a site and, you know, there's, I just don't think that's worth the time. So no. in person only come and get them, come see the shop, you know, come meet me, come meet me face to face. If you want to flip it for a hundred bucks. Look me in the eyes. Look me in the eyes and tell me you're going to flip it. <laughs> I I will ask you the question. What is your planning? <laughs> are you going to throw a hangover with this time lapse? What are your intentions with this disc? <laughs> Could you imagine what someone would say? No, nope, I don't. Nope, 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 thanks. Nope, nope. don't want to know. <laughs> I will tell you, I don't. If I own a shop, I don't think it's worth the headache over ten to even sell them in my store. I think I would just sell them to like anybody that's volunteered, did work, plays on my team, who I'm homies with, like, because like it's ten, but ten is still like, like you yeah. don't want. I just think you. you I think have you thirty own- people lined up outside of your shop. And only ten are getting them, and then you don't want to have any fisticuffs outside. Well, and then and then you and then you you know don't risk the the aggravation of other people. Yeah, you know because they didn't get access to one. Whereas, yeah, you just have it private, sell them all. Then you don't get people that are you know, mad about it. Yeah, and then you just oh, tell yeah, them you're, I mean, you're gonna. You're going to get the people that are mad about it because, yeah. oh, you just sold them to your friends. Like, what the heck? Like, that's the, the that's not fair, like, you know, so mentality. I where I would just be like, oh, I didn't get the protos. Mm-hmm. I was just waiting on the stock run. I didn't yeah. want to do that to mm-hmm. you guys. 
That's what yeah. I would just be. I would, I would uh, be what they would call a liar. <laughs> a liar. <laughs> Stretching the truth. Sorry, when you asked, I didn't have any available. <laughs> Oopsies. Oops. But, no, I mean, I, I get it. It just put dealers, put dealers in a really bad spot. And it made them decide, how am I going to distribute these discs to, you know, the mm-hmm. thousands or hundreds or twenties of However clients many. that I have. Yeah. Yeah. Truth. I... Hmm. I'm curious about the run, you know, the, the stock run versus the proto. Obviously, it's a proto, so, you know, mm-hmm. different things happen. Um, I will be interested to see what future runs look like it of. Um, Matt, can you just give a kind of a rundown quick of um, the plastic and kind of what you know about um, the plastic one that the proto is made of? Um, and then do you know anything? Then you can answer these all at, at one time and I'll let you go. What is the plastic of the proto? Do you know anything about the plastics of the stock run? And then just a brief overview of the MVP slash Axiom plastic in terms of their stability. So like I would assume at some point in time, maybe that's months from now, maybe next year, that we'll get like an Eclipse run of this. Um, So like just if you could just answer those kind of questions broadly um, and just so people that are listening or for us that we all can kind of know about maybe picking which time lapse (laughs) might be for us. Um, So I will answer one of the questions by saying I don't know. Um, In terms of stabilities and plastics, um, I've thrown some like the proton, which is like the see-through plastic. So that stuff is more overstable than, you know, some of the neutron, which is what the um time lapse is in um your neutron is more like your i would say starish uh i would say it's a little bit more firm than star not as not as gummy um your proton is like your champ um type plastic so um i've thrown some versions of discs that are way more overstable in proton and way, uh, more understable in neutron and then vice versa so um i will say that uh yes they the time lapses look fantastic um the axiom i love axiom just in general i wish they would make a team axiom and i would instantly apply for it and have all axiom in my bag because they're just gorgeous discs um the the rims really pop the cores and um all that kind of stuff so uh the swirls that they're putting in there too are just um they're just gorgina so um you know when the stock runs do come out they will still look uh very very good so um but they do have which is which i thought was curious they do have it, the disc has quite a bit of dome in it compared Ooh. to like some of your other MVP discs that um, I think they're starting to get some more dome dome in them. Um, but for a while they were just making flat like straight flat stock runs of stuff. So excited to see what the glide uh, they have in those. Um, but yeah, I would I would say it's like like we mentioned before, this run is going to be more overstable than the um, than the stock runs that are going to come out. Um, Neutron plastic um, is a little slick at first, in my opinion, when it gets um, into your hand. Once you start to beat it in, get some grit out and get that stuff, beats in really nicely. And the thing I've always loved about MVP plastic is it holds that stability um, for a very long time. Uh, it takes a little bit to beat in unless you're like me where I hit a ton of trees. So, um, no, but I, in all seriousness, if I had, I've had a relay in my bag, um, which is a more understable disc in the MVP lineup. I think I've had that disc in my bag one of the most consistent discs in my bag 
um, for a good part of like three to four years. And mm-hmm. it is finally starting to get to a point where I'm debating taking it out because it's getting a little bit more flippy than I would like. So, um, but I've, that's been a workhorse disc for me for a really long time. So um, MVP is pretty consistent in that, in that sense, especially the neutron plastic. Gotcha. Good to know. All great mm-hmm. info. Um, we'll kind of pivot in a minute here as to what this means for the industry as a whole. But last question about the time-lapse itself. Um, we, the three of us were fortunate enough to get our hands on one, um, thrower hanger. And if you flip it, the person that we got these from will be very mad at you. So that's not even an option. Um, so are you going to throw this or is it a hanger for you? It's a thrower. It's a thrower. Okay. No doubt. I'm throwing mine. I'm putting it, I'm, I am. If I am banking on it being super overstable and using it as more of like a headwindish type disc and putting it in my bag and having a sick looking disc from Simon in my bag that I can show off to people and being and have people yell at me and be like, why are you throwing that disc? It's worth a lot of money. So really and I'll say, that. to that, I don't care. Yeah, because it's a cool Frisbee. Discs are meant to be thrown. That's exactly what I was going to say. I don't really have anything that I buy. I don't have anything that I get that is not a thrower unless it is either like signed or has a stamp that is like sentimental to me. So like Mm -hmm. on my wall, like the things that are on the wall are tournament stamps for tournaments that I run or signed discs, or I have like a disc from a tournament that I went to. So like I have a preserve and an LVC stamp disc on the wall. So but other, anything other than that, if it's a stock run, a proto run, or anything that's not like a one of one, it's going to my bag and it's being thrown. So for me, uh, sorry, Eagle, but the, one of my cloud breakers is coming out to make room for the uh, the time lapse. So we'll see. Yeah. Um, so very excited about that. Of the three of us, all bought our time lapses from the same individual. Um, so we just gotta figure out how to how to get them. Um, so moving on now for the last kind of part of our episode tonight, our comeback episode. Um, what does the Simon line and the release of the time lapse mean for the industry as a whole? And is Simon the new plastic king? Uh, I think. So I I think that I I think this hap- like this same thing happened when Paul put out his line. Like mm-hmm. you're gonna get that that shock and awe of like, oh my gosh, my favorite player, one of the best players in the world, is you know putting out their own disc. James Conrad put out a Nomad, and some people cared. Like, it's all about notoriety and popularity. I don't think you can just come out with your own line and come out with your own, like, signature discs and people are going to be super-duper excited. Like, I think you have to really brand around who you have and really pick and choose who you have that has a signature line of, you know, their their own discs. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so I think we're kind of at that step, that first step where Paul was, where everybody's super excited to get a Simon disc in their hands. And the next, you know, five discs that come out um, are going to be the same exact way. Like, they're going to be super popular. They're going to be super well wanted. You know, the protos are always going for way more money than they probably Mm -hmm. should. Like, you know, 
the collector market on those is going to be huge. Um, so I don't think any of that is going to change, um, especially since we have more people in the sport than we've ever had before. Um, you know, they're probably making about the same t amount of prototypes um, and there's just more people in the sport. So I think what it means is that the price, the aftermarket price of those things jumps up dramatically. Um, and your collectors that really want all the prototype stuff are going to have to pay, pay for it. And, yep. and the one thing I, I forgot to mention this in the previous segment, but like what they, well, a lot of the stuff I saw on the group pages were people just talking about, you know, how people spend their money and, oh my gosh, how can you be spending a hundred dollars on this or 150 and those kind of things. And, um, one, I think my favorite comments was, let me spend my money how I want to spend my money. I work hard for it. Like, you know, $125 is dropping the bucket for some people and a lot to others. So let people spend their money how they want to spend it. You know, the people who are abusing it, meh. But if they want it, if somebody wants to spend their money to buy one, go ahead. But mm -hmm. um, I got off on my own tangent there. But yeah, I don't think it's, I don't think it's really anything different than what we saw with the Paul line. So I think when a big player comes out with their own line, a big popular player, especially like Simon, um, this is kind of just the norm. People freak out, uh, mass chaos in the streets, um, you know, those kind of things. Do you think that people care, sorry, Michael, do you think that people care more or are more excited about this because, uh, compared to Paul, because Simon did not have the ability to create anything new with Discmania and it's like just something that people have been itching for? And like that's why there's more hype around this. I to me feel like this is more like hype than Paul. Like people were are still very excited for anything Paul releases, but like I feel like this is like like the most excited that anybody's been for a release in, in a in a minute. Like people were like excited for like the Athena and some of the other things that Paul had been working on, but not to this level. Like that's my own take. No, whether I that's that, how you guys feel or not, I don't know. Yeah, and I think that I think there's two different types of fans, right? You have your Paul Macbeth fans, which we like Paul Macbeth because he's a freaking amazing disc golfer, right? He's the he's the go, um, no, he's you know, not. he's the go. Um, but like that's you, a debate you, for a different show. <laughs> we've had that debate already, I think. Um, but, you know, in a lot of people's eyes, he's, he's the GOAT. He's the best player to ever play, like all those kind of things. So, like, you have that fandom, right, where I want the discs that the best player in the world is throwing, right? Um, you know, I think with Simon, it's a different type of fandom. You know, they've watched him. They've watched Simon grow up and move teams and do all these things. They've watched him on his YouTube vlogs and Vlogmas and all these kind of mm -hmm. things. And they feel like they have more of a personal connection with you know, with Simon. So I think that's where you see kind of more, a little bit more, if you did do see it a little bit more craziness, um, because you have more of the, I would say like the more casual fan who met Simon through his disc golf videos on YouTube. And as you know, follow him all the way, there's just, I think there's just a more quantity of people that love Simon and that want to get in on the action than more people that really love Paul, um, in that regard. Now, I, I'm in full agreement there, and I think that it, it's the it's the shock and it's the 
excitement of the first disc of that line. I think that Simon's subsequent releases that come out will be a little bit less hyped. Um, but like the Kong, when it came out for Paul, was 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 very hyped. Mm-hmm. Um because of the name, but also just because it was his first disc. Um, he was also very quick to put out the next three discs. Um, or no, or was the Luna his first? Um, I, I will, regardless, the Luna it might, yeah. the, I think the Luna and the Kong came out almost at the same mm-hmm. time. If, if one came out over the other mm-hmm. semantics. Yeah. But I think, I think that it, it will fade a little bit, but this first one is is the big one because of, it's the first one. And it's the first one that he's been able to put his name on and directly say, hey, I had a massive part designing this disc. Yeah. I think the other part that makes this, just outside of just the signature disc itself, is that this is the first 12-speed in MVP's lineup, whether it be Axiom or, uh, or the, like, Overmold lineup. Um or even maybe even streamline. Like the MVP family hasn't had a 12 speed distance driver that quote unquote destroyer clone that everybody is who has been clamoring for for years. Um, so I think that just adds a little bit to the extra hype, you know, outside of the Simon line of things. Mm-hmm. And I think what's going to be cool is I think a lot of this of what the Simon line is is going to be those cooler cool color combo. Um, axiom side of things where James is going to be more in the, you know, MVP black, you know, black rim sort of, um, sort of family over there. So, um, Simon's is just going to get more hype because the designs are going to be cooler. The molds are going to look cooler. Um, you know, and and it's going to fit gaps in the lineup that, um, that people really want and they really need. So, um, I'm excited. I'm excited. Super on the hype train. Um, not $159 worth of hype train, but, um, you know, I, I'm, I'm full on, full on board the hype train and excited to see what comes next. Oh yeah. Really interesting. When you think about it, that James won a world championship without a 12 speed in his bag. And not that you need one. Not everybody needs mm-hmm. a 12 speed depending on your game and the course. 12 speeds might be dumb, but it is kind of interesting given yeah. what we knew about the courses. Now looking back that, uh, no 12 speed in his bag. He might have bagged a jet, which is an 11 speed. And flipping, yeah, so they have the 11s like, and then they have the 13s, but the 12 has always been the gap. What's the 13 speed? Yeah. Oh, Dimension. I think have, yeah, I think they have quite. I think I think they have a couple of them. I think Mayhem is one of them. Mm-hmm. Um, off the top of my head, I don't know because I don't throw 13 speeds, and I try not to throw 13 speeds. Um, like 12 is really crazy. what I've act- like what I've maxed out on. That that is fair. That's what a lot of people have. It's amazing trying to watch people throw Corvettes and other things of that nature because it is a lot of disc, and you got to have a lot of arm speed to get it to do. We got baby, we got baby hands. We can't fit those big rims in our hands. Um, Yeah, I can't. Speak for yourself. Well, I was referring to Ben because he mentioned it earlier. So correct. Yeah. So, well. Anything else that you guys have tonight that you want to briefly mention or talk about or do anything else while we're um, back? Ben, are you 
are yeah are you uh, actually done with tournaments this year or are you going to do another like five or six like i did make a post that said that i was done and then i ended up playing a circuit challenge and then i got out of a work commitment to be able to play yoga fall classic however i say this now and i'm i think i'm done I think I just don't think that there's just enough. Set it, set it here second. We'll see. We'll see. So the only one that's a possibility is is that Lucas and I play uh, played last year. Lucas Stab and I was a member of Team Doordisc. Um, we played uh, Halloween doubles on Halloween weekend at uh, Yolga, and that's a fun tournament. And it'll be back this year. Um, if you and your partner come dressed in a costume, you get a mully. Uh, each of you get a mully once per round. So, um, you know, it's just, it's just a fun tournament and there's candy on each hole. So, um, that, that, if anything, that will be the last one, but that's really just a a fun one. And it's like all the pins are in the shorts and there's nothing, you know, nothing super crazy about that one. But as far as the, the singles, uh, I, I believe I am done, uh, you know, it's it's unfortunate, but it just is kind of the way it is right now. So, yeah. gotcha, Michael. You have anything to note uh, that you want to share that you're doing to finish up? I got nothing. I got nothing. Uh-huh. Uh, Fall Classic and some doubles events. That's it. Dark County Fall Classic uh-huh. and then doubles events. Nice. I am I am still teetering on the fence of uh, Dark County Fall Classic. Uh, mm-hmm. I've never played well at that course. I love that course. Shout out, you know, Mike and Shane for running it. Um, I might just go help. Um, I play like 870 rated golf there and well below my rating every time I play there because I'm a terrible wind golfer. So I would also um, say if your shoulder's in any question, it's probably not for you because <laughs> yeah. not well, because but the, mm-hmm. the course is long, but it's also not 18 mm-hmm. holes. Like it's like 24, 25, 26, 27, depending yeah. on how Mike shakes yeah. it out. Yeah. So when you're mm-hmm. playing, you know, over 50 holes of disc golf in mm-hmm. uh, in a day, and if you're and teetering long in long golf. holes of disc right. golf, mm-hmm. if you're teetering on any sort of injury, mm-hmm. you know, it's one of those things where you got to, you know, think about the future in the long term of mm-hmm. it. So, right. you know, um, you know, it's just one of yeah. those things where I would I would completely understand, you know, if if oh yeah, it's not for you for this yeah. year. So. This upcoming weekend, but so by the time you hear it, it will have already happened. But um, going up to the Flex, Door County Flex, I think the last one of the year. So um, we'll see how we do there. Then we have our syndicate event, our syndicate finale on the Sunday um, at Rowan Ridge and Silver Creek. So that'll be a good time. Um, and then, um, you know, same couple, you know, doubles events um, with the new doubles partners this, this year. So that'll be fun. Um, and then uh, possible. I'm going with Caleb Smith. So um, I don't know if you've played with Caleb uh, before, but um, he's got a really good forehand. So uh, nice. Papa needs that in his game. So um, <laughs> so thanks, Caleb. Um, and then I've got Myrtle Beach Open. Uh, and then I've got Myrtle Beach Open in November. So that'll um, be fun. That'll it's be super Wisconsin exciting. In November. Yeah. So no, I mean, it'll be unfortunate. Um, I guess maybe shouldn't share, but because uh, it's current event ish related. But um, the uh, Champions Cup is being moved to that weekend. So for the next year's Champions Cup for 2024, not for this. Yeah, 2020, not for the one that's I happening think... in this November. 
so that the Champions Cup. Yeah, aren't they moving? I thought they were moving Champions Cup from. It's not Champions Cup. 2024 Champions Cup is being moved from the spring of 2024 to the fall of 2024. Oh, gosh. I misunderstood that then. So, cool. So, that's so you do not have to not worry good, about everybody going to I thought that some of the Beach pros. Open. I thought the pros, yeah. So, I mean, Myrtle Beach Open next year. Correct. Correct. But. Because by October of 2024... PDGA and, and IDGC should have figured out a plan of action as far as building new courses after their beetle infestation. So yeah, bummer. Great courses there, yeah. but we'll let the we'll let the door disc golf folks talk about that um, on their podcast that probably airs the Monday before this one does. So correct. Yeah, mm-hmm. this will that, that well when you're when you kind folks are listening to this episode. That episode will have been out for a couple of days. Um, so I'm sure we will have talked about it. It's weird to think about. It's a weird. Yeah. <laughs> I think into the future, but also the past. Like, it's weird. Well, we're all living in a simulation anyway. So yep. on that note, we Got will leave right. it at that. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for welcoming us back into your podcasting lives. Uh, as always, be sure to like, rate, and subscribe. Be sure to check us out on all of your favorite podcasting platforms. Be sure to check out Night Owls um, at some point, uh, whether that's the past, present, or future, uh, whatever. We don't really know what, like I said, we're living in a simulation and the Matrix, maybe. Um, be sure to visit doordisc.com for all your disc golf needs. Um, like we said, Halloween buzzes and some other stuff for your spooky disc golf season as before the time changes uh glow rounds are a thing um anything you want to edit on guys any words of wisdom or uh things you want to tell people congrats matteo congrats to the people's champ aka your favorite disc golfer's favorite disc golfer maddie O. Matthew Orm taking down MVP Open, his first Elite Series uh, win uh, in 20 years. Uh, he's played his first National Tour in 2003, his first MV- or MPO round in 2002, and your favorite player's favorite player is now a champ on the Pro Tour. Uh, so I guess there's only one way to end this episode, and that is Roll Tide. Roll Tide. Roll tide.